Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the RFP Ultra Dads podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Ubaldini, joined by my partner and fellow Ultra Dad, Brian Shane, talking all things ultra. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsor, Time on the Trails, building you a customized journey and experience out on the trails throughout the state of Arizona and beyond. You can find Time on the Trails at www.tottaz.com. Again, www. .tottaz.com. Now sit back, grab a tasty beverage, and enjoy Brian and I as we progress further down the trails. Left foot, right foot. What's today? Thirteenth, so day forty-two, forty-three. Okay. Yeah, forty-three. Excellent. So just for the audience. Uh, I for the Ultra Dad, the RFP Ultra Dads podcast today. We uh, Brian looks a little bit different because it's it's not Brian. He uh, Brian actually just got back to our hometown of Clark Summit last night on his third and final trip, and he's moving across country as we talked about. So to give him a break this week, I asked uh, 22 years, uh, a friend of 22 years, Doug Pollard. It started as a business uh, business relationship or co- uh, colleagues at a company and became long lost friends over the course of that time period. So, uh, Doug, welcome to the show, man. Cheers, good to be here. Thanks, thanks for, thanks for being, we're, we're grateful to have you on the show. So we were just, before we hit record, we were just talking about, uh, you know, right now it's 12.09 on a Thursday where I live in Arizona. So I am not partaking in any alcoholic beverages or non-alcoholic beverages as, as Doug is now, as you can see. So, and in a fancy glass too, by the way, very nice. Oh, you got it. You got to do it. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll get on, we'll get on that whole, that whole beer thing momentarily. Um, oh yeah. We could spend an entire podcast on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which we probably can do that at one point in time. So Doug was, Doug was sharing that once a year, right? Once a year, you try to do a month without any alcohol. Yeah, I gotta give the liver a break every so often, right? So give it a give it 30 days once a year, uh, different month every year, right? Sometimes it's sober for October and whatever, but uh, this year I decided to make it April, and uh, yeah, so got why, to why April? Well, because you wanted to start your birthday off with a, with a bang there. Because I screwed up in February and then I screwed up in March. <laughs> so hey, my birthday was April 1st, no joke. And uh, said, hey, I'll enjoy a couple of pops on my birthday. And then, hey, clean living for the rest of April. Got to the end of April. And I said, you, know, you might have been one of the people who inspired me on this, but I mean, a lot of people do it. But, um, you know, just no alcohol during Lent, right? I think it was at 42 days or something like that. Something like, yeah, yeah. So it's longer than 30. I'm like, all right, well, in the, in the nature of racing and ultra racing and everything else, why not see if I can go an extra 12 days, right? Interesting. Kind of felt like I was a little bit off the, the the habit, off the hamster wheel, and then, you know, here we are, day 43, and uh, now it's like you set new goals. Like, all right, well, I'm here, I'm still feeling good. It's mile 80. <laughs> In your turn. Which nobody, which nobody ever says, by the way. No, no, no. But you're delirious <laughs> at that point. Right, so right. It's okay. You can tell yourself lies, and it's okay. No, so um, yeah. So now it's like, all right, well, certainly I can complete May. What if I just maybe even extend that a little bit into June, finish like, you know, rec league softball season or something else, right? So we'll see where it goes. Well, that's, that's, uh, you should be proud of that because that's, that's significant. 30, 30, well, you're at 30 plus now. You're almost at, you're actually probably at, you're at 42, right? Right now? Yeah. yeah. And if anybody knew how huge of a beer nerd I am, this has yeah. been a challenge. <laughs> well, we could let's uh, we could touch on that. We could start. We could kind of start things off with that. But I went. So I wanted to start. Uh, not this past week. So May first was or actually yeah May first was going to be my day. Mm-hmm. And because I'm I'm in a situation where you know I was out I, I was consuming great amount of beer, but I was also running 50 to 60 miles a week. So it compensated a lot for the alcohol content. Uh, but with the knee injury and being out for the last six weeks, 
So what did you do? I didn't like, I heard a little bit on, on a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago. Are you like, are you really like debilitated? Are you like a brace and stuff or? No, no, I, uh, no, fortunately not. So I, back in February, I did a 50 miler and everything was fine. Everything was good. And then the week after I was walking the dog and I just felt this harsh pinch pain burning sensation in my left knee right on the inside right where the kneecap is mm-hmm. never never really felt like that pain before I mean during a race or anything even during training I would feel it but it would usually be either in the back of the knee or under the kneecap this was right on the inner side in the inner right side of my left knee mm-hmm. so I kind of chilled out for a few days and then I started running back up and taking it easy and that went for a couple weeks and then it happened again. So I called the doctor that our oldest went to when she messed up her elbow. And long story short, I have torn cartilage right on the inside of my left knee where all the pressure goes when you when you land. Yeah, so okay. it, plus yeah. I have a bunch of other bursitis, arthritis, and all sorts of nonsense from you know 20, 30 years of doing what I've done to my body. So I got mm. it injected uh, with gel. And took three shots of that, and for the, I basically took the whole month off of April of running. I was, you know, swimming and and lifting and doing yoga and stretching, all whole month off of running for April, May first. I started back, seeing if I could start back. I think I made it a mile running where it was just still painful. Long story short, right now I'm going every other day walk the dog for like two miles and then I run for three, three miles and it's, it's, it's holding up. It's, it's, we're making progress with it. So, uh, the whole point, you know, so now, you know, I put on some pounds, I'm kind of bulkier because I've been lifting two t- twice as more as I have been, or I was. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta cut back. I gotta cut back to beer. So I started, I made it like six days. And then last Friday, Robin and I were, I got like three rooms up in Vegas and I'm like, uh, want to go to Vegas? Sure, let's go. So we went and, needless to say, uh, I drank some beer in Vegas <laughs> over the weekend. But I, we'll we'll see how it goes. And I was gonna tell you, you're gonna try to go to June. This was a re- this is on record. You're not supposed to like share what happens in Vegas. Otherwise, you're clean, right? You had well, to clean. You you can if if those that know me, uh, are going to pretty much assume. Not, it's not even an assumption. It's a guarantee that if I went to Vegas, it's likely I had at least a beer. So, All but right. just to give you a heads up, we're gonna be we're gonna be in Philly in June. So, you uh, later part of June, I'll let you. We'll circle back on the dates, but okay. I, I plan on getting together for at least a lunch or a happy hour where we'll 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 take down a beer. But definitely, that's kind of where I'm at with the with that injury. So we're. We're trying to piece that together, just like everything in life right now, trying to piece it together. So, um, but let's go, let's go to the the beer thing because I remember when we were living back there, uh, we met a few times at these just really inconspicuous places that you just pulled up on some app or some website there. You're like, hey, meet me here because they have these kind of beers. So why don't you talk about that? Because you had you had the little side gig going on too that you tried yeah. to start. So why don't you talk a little bit about your your passion for for beer and following it? Yeah, no, I, it's like uh, got started into weird different beers probably as early as college back before there was really craft beer, right? You know, and then you know we got out of college and it was you know mid '90s. There really still wasn't much. Sierra Nevada kind of hit me over the head like, wow, what is this? You know, and so just started exploring and that constant search for something new, right? And then just morphed into the next thing I know, beeradvocate.com gets created, allows you to rate beers. I got super into it, right? And, you know, I was like the go-to guy that people were calling from the beer store going, what should I pick up? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) What's in front of you? Right. (laughs) You know, so anyway, so yeah, it did morph into, I briefly considered during it, challenging period in my career um you know starting off branching off on my own starting a business when i say briefly i mean i had a business plan i had a liquor license ready to go ready to purchase i had a partner who was like a chef like 
and, and what it was going to be it was uh, starting off the idea, first idea was create a craft beer store. This is like back again, 09 timeframe, back before craft beer had really exploded. So a dedicated craft beer store with draft lines for, with growlers to go, um, you know, long lines of coolers, everything organized by style of beer because I really into all the different styles, especially Belgian styles. And uh, just, you know, super passionate about it. And um, came down to the fact that, you know, to do all this, needed about a 400K loan. <laughs> Brought that to Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda his, is his wife, folks. Rhonda is his wife. Is okay we take the mortgage and we just like use that as collateral. <laughs> and we were just having our third child at the time, right, too. We right. didn't have anything. And the economy was in the crapper. So it was like, mm, maybe now is not the best time. So had to park that plan, morphed it into well, why don't I take all my knowledge and great resources that I have and create a, uh, a website, a business. And you, you know, Chris Cook, Chaz Bionis, who you and I worked with back in the day, back in the 90s, uh, were helping me uh, set that up from graphics to website to other things. And then going out to local establishments, places that had a license, but were just selling garbage beer, like a pizza place or a place that had room to grow and talk about the profitability they could be you know leveraging talk about all the new customers they could be bringing in if they were able to advertise this as a here's what makes our pizza place different from the 10 other places within three miles of here um yeah that kind of stuff um and push through with that um called it gateway beers you know gatewaybeers.com and we had a beer finder on our website um and then a beer tasting thing on our website it was really intricate where, hey, what do you like? Do you like sweeter beers? Do you like hoppier beers? Do you like stuff that's a little bit more on the bitter side? Um, you know, what kind of flavor profiles do you generally like? And then we pick out, you know, the top three to five styles that might that you might really like. And then within those styles, what are the top 10 beers that you can get here in Pennsylvania that you know, match that style that you're probably going to like? And then, you know, just kind of went from there, but never really got that off the ground, right? It was like, most most of the time it was met with these pizza store owners are like, what do I need that for? I'm I sell plenty of beer. I make enough money. I'm fine. I don't need all the hassle. You know, I so, have my Bud Lighted Mirror Light. Everybody's happy. My customers don't want that fancy stuff. Okay, well, <laughs> I was a little ahead of the curve on that, but yeah, that's all right. It Everybody all worked, has it now. It all worked out in the end, right? So um, Everything happens for a reason, but I was glad I had that opportunity to at least explore it, dip my toe in the water and not lose my house or, you know, something sure. else. You know, it's, it was kind of a fun outlet during a period when like work was like slow and boring, you know, and I had time on my hands to do that kind of stuff, even though we, you know, three, three little kids, <laughs> I see time on my hands. I mean, I had right, right. hours every night <laughs> that I could swirl away in the man cave with a couple of beers and work on the business plan. What uh, was Sierra Nevada your first? craft beer yeah yeah i remember being, i distinctly remember being at like a happy hour and driving home having like two sierra nevadas and burping <laughs> and i was like wow that tastes amazing <laughs> that burp tasted amazing and then i went immediately to the beer yard in wayne picked up a case and the rest is history so it was just like one of those stupid memories that somehow sticks in your brain you know now i have i have a memory of i i don't know maybe it would be considered a craft beer you and i it was that trip we took to san francisco for that mm -hmm. conference ronda met us out there um like I mean, 99 right that was probably 90 yeah that was yeah that was 1999 yeah exactly and we we were at the conference all day and we we met Rhonda at the the bar at the hotel for a pop before we were going to dinner and we had anchor steam okay and i don't i don't would, would that be considered a craft beer at the time back then in 99 absolutely yeah, right so i was cuz i'm thinking as you were cuz the whole Sierra Nevada i was having this conversation with three other people in the last no shit, Doug. You know, like the last three weeks, I was having the same conversation with three other people, and Sierra Nevada was the first craft beer that they had. But I guess Anchor Steam might have been the first craft beer that we had. Yeah, they, they preceded them. And then, of course, the whole California beer explosion. Stone is still one of my favorites yeah. to this day, man. They don't, they don't produce a bad IPA, so it's, oh. yeah. 
that's 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 my go it's it's stone and trogues are like oh yeah like right here you know robin's asking me how many cases of trogues are we bringing back because we're driving we're driving back serious yeah yeah so we're how'd you do that because we're going to be gone for we're going to be there for like three weeks and oh okay you know, there it, it gives us more flexibility because and then cost, right? Because we're going to be renting a car for three weeks. I mean, so oh. it just made sense. Plus, I get the opportunity to get copious amounts of trogues and Yingling Lager to bring back to, to Arizona that may or may not last through the summer. Yeah, you got a little hitch on the back of your car. You can hook up a U-Haul to it. No, no. Well, the thing is, Robin and I are flying, going or driving by ourselves. Oh, and you're going to spare the girls the, the agony of driving with you across the country. Well, one girl is coming back with us. The Elena's, the younger one's coming back with us. So, uh, but we, we have a couple, we're going to try to hit a couple stadiums. We're going to try to hit Pittsburgh and see the Pirates play. And then the week after 4th of July, the Cubs and the Phillies, the Phillies are playing at Chicago. So we're trying to get in to see a Cubs-Phillies game. So Have you been to both those parks? We have, I have, and Rob, I have, and Robin has. Elaine has been to Pittsburgh, so okay. it cool. should be, it should be fun. So back to the beer conversation. We'll, I'll ask this, and we can What's move on. What? This is a tough question, right? But what has been your favorite? I'm not going to say beer. I'll say how many ever you want to list. You can take take the top three beers you've ever had. Jeez. Um. I usually list something in you know, the Belgian category, like I really love triples. I, I tend to gravitate toward the air gravity uh, beers. Um, triples are probably my favorite style. And so in that regard, West Mall. So if okay. you can get West Mall, um, get it. Um, similarly, Allagash makes a very, very good triple that you can get in most states, right? Right. Saison <laughs> um, side, I tend to lean toward uh, DuPont, um, and DuPont also has a higher caliber saison, like approaching like 10%, which is unusual, called Vec Le Bon Beau. I think I'm pronouncing that right. That's a, that's a, that's a just an outstanding one. But anything, if you see anything from DuPont, just get it. it there's only a couple of beers from them. Um, you know, and, and I remember like, you know, just back in the day, like, oh, if you could have one beer the rest of your life, that's just kind of basic and normal. It was a Trobes. I think it was like a Trobes. Um, oh, shoot. Why am I forgetting the name of it now? It was like an Amber Ale. Um, anywho. Uh, but now there's just like so much, man. There's just so much. Like you can't even like, like part of my problem was I would go to the beer store these days and it's like there's 15 new, like just New England style IPAs. Mm -hmm. Forget everything else. And if I knew a particular brewery was a particularly good one and I liked them before, chances are I'm going to like their styles, right? So I, I can really quickly bypass a lot of stuff that I'm like, yeah, I don't like their style, don't like their yeast profile, whatever. And I'll just head toward maybe something new and try it out. But the beautiful thing is you can get everything in four packs now. So it's right, right. You, know, you can try a million different things and you'll spend yeah, some money. Yeah, that's well, I mean, you're 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 getting a four pack for 15 bucks in some places. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 11. I'm a I'm a big fan of Mother Road out here. Yeah. And it's Mother Road's Tower Station IPA is probably one of my top three or four favorite IPAs. Um, and they sell them in four packs for like, well, it depends where you get it. But if you go to Total Wine, it's like 11 bucks. And I'm like, and they're 16 ounces. Don't get me wrong. So, but yeah, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not terrible. But um, yeah, it's, it's, more so. it's like, it's like that affordable luxury is what they say, you know? And, right. You know, well, I went to the store. I went to the store and I was checking out with the Lagunitas non-alcoholic and then they have a, uh, God, what, what is it? This, this bad boy? That one, that one. And then they had, I want to say it was Omission. Oh yeah, yeah. Well that's, yeah. um, they're, so they have uh, gluten-free, right? Omission? They have, was it gluten-free or was it non-alcoholic? I'm pretty sure that their stuff is all in any event, the, the Lagunitas was like 11 bucks. I'm like, I don't mind paying 11 bucks for a six pack, but a non, 11 bucks for a non-alcoholic. Oh, like, come yeah. on, man. Come so, on. 
but that the um, the athletic brewing that is some really oh. good stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I mentioned that. Yeah, the uh, yeah. This, um, I mean, they, and I just tried their um, hazy IPA. Yeah. New Wave or something like that. Yeah, it's a red can. Yeah, it's like an orange can. Fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. really, really, really good. I couldn't even, in all honesty, I really, I couldn't even tell the difference between that and a, and a you know. Yeah. A, a, I mean, the biggest, a, difference a, for me, the biggest difference for me is that the non-alcohol beers tend to be thin. And I'm not yes. big beers. I'm bigger and, you know, like I said, mentioned, higher gravity, higher alcohol beers, a little more body to them, a little more malt. These tend to be thinner. Like, so if you like pale ales, like for folks who like pale ales and, you know, basic lower alcohol, you know, beers for the most part, it's a really easy transition into some really good. I mean, there's so much good non-alcoholic stuff now. So let's let's transition because you had mentioned you had <clears throat> mentioned uh, kids a couple times, yeah. and you have the you have the three. So let's talk about fatherhood. I mean, this is ultra dads, and it's all thing yeah. ultra. We just kind of did some ultra beer talking. So <laughs> Andrew, Andrew is the oldest, right? Yeah, he's a senior this year, seventeen uh heading off into the world no he's staying here uh yeah so he's 17 i got lily 15 and then avery who's 11 they're all you know going up one age this summer but yeah so it'll be 18 16 12 so yeah so because you when we met and it was 98 99 when we started working together i think you and rana had been married a couple probably i want to say five years no we've been together for that amount of time but uh not married until 98 Okay, so you had gotten just gotten married when we started we working. Okay, we met in college for the long distance for a while. She moved up and then yeah. right. And so now you guys are you guys are what 24? 24 years? 23 years? Ooh, coming up on 23. Yeah. Wow. This fall. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so well, because there's two there's two components of this conversation because I want to dive into. I want to dive into the fatherhood concept and then the 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 being a husband and and there being married for 23 years that that i mean that's that's a gift right now that you we don't you don't see that that often anymore so you know and i know speaking from someone that's been married for 18 years it's shit 19 years sorry sorry robin uh, <laughs> uh it's not all it's not all easy obviously so what have been what have been some of the the hardest struggles that you guys have went through and and the lessons the growth that you've gotten from it just for, we'll start with we'll start with the marriage side of the fence first yeah, yeah. um we're both very much a type personalities so problem number one uh you know we both want you know we both want to believe that we're right about everything and we both <laughs> want to control everything and uh you know i hate I hate to admit that I'm uh, loose with my money, and she is more <laughs> of this house, right? And I want to buy things like I like the shiny new car, and I like stuff. And that's just she's like, you know, she, I'm like, it's hey, your car's five years old, and you know, let's it's time to it, just hit a hundred thousand miles. Isn't it about time we we got rid of it so it doesn't start getting need a new transmission or something? She's like, no, we're gonna run it into the ground because I have no car payment. <laughs> you're gonna do the same <laughs> you know it's, right. it's like every couple it's the it's the monetary it's like even though you might have the funds you have the money to do things it's like that little bit of a spat of little argument of what should we actually spend the money on right mm -hmm. and now it's like i mean look i'm looking at i'm staring straight in the face of three kids going to college in the next six years five years yeah so yeah and you know we've saved a little bit right but now is like that period when I got had the get you know, foot on the gas pedal at work because I you know I'm in sales it's a huge part of my I can I can have a really nice uplift if I have outstanding years right and I can set that aside without having to have huge loans and that's really the focus right now is to make sure that you know I'm there but yeah finances is definitely one big challenge and I think so um, other than that um, I think you know the other challenges are just once you're together for so long it's just you know, the communication trying to keep the communication fresh. Mm. You feel like you can read each other's minds half the time and you, you kind of you kind of feel before you even walk in the room what the tone is. Right. So uh, yeah. what to joke about, what not to joke about. And I think um 
that's, um, you know, I, I would trip over myself probably the first 10 years of marriage, just like, um, just in my communication style and meaning like not what's coming out of my mouth, but what's coming in the ears mm -hmm. and just not doing it enough and certainly not doing enough active listening, like stopping, not only stopping talking, but looking and truly listening and putting all other noise aside, which is hard to do. Sure. Today phones and TV and three kids and a dog and you know well you, you talk a couple about a couple things there right because you talk about distraction right there's so many things these days that that pull our attention uh, not just not just kids and careers and and you know the athletics the, the events that we do um, side hustles that we might be doing but then you you combine that with and you touched on this you've been married for over two decades, right? And we tend to get comfortable, right? Uh, as individuals, as well as humans, or and as well as couples. And what have you been able to do to help move past that, that, that staleness, if you will, and that might not be the best word to use, but, you know, creating some, being, being more creative in the relationship to, to, inject some more excitement or inject some more creativity to to maybe make things a little bit better or make make you both grow a little bit yeah i wish i could it's a tough one to answer because you know i can't point to specific things like we're not we're not that couple that sets the dedicated date night once every month right and oftentimes when they even if there's a special event like whether it's you know, mother's day her birthday something else you know it's often met with yeah but if we go out we're gonna be waiting in line and i'd much rather just stay here and cook some steaks or something you know mm -hmm. and you find it you kind of fall into that complacency we really need to get better about that the other side of the coin is too we're also not like not we don't like do vacations together like just the two of us it's always something with the kids mm -hmm. right and you know and that's something that you know kind of thinking about like, you know, how can we do that? And now, fortunately, we're sort of being forced into that this year with, um, I made President's Club at my company last year. Um, that trip, which is normally in the spring, they push back to the fall, it's in Mexico. So that'll be like, you know, at least five days and she and I can just be checked out of the, you know, home situation and be away. And so definitely looking forward to that. Um, outside of that, I think there's no real secrets other than to try to keep things light. Um, Levity, um, you know, I tend to have a sarcastic persona a lot of the times and, you know, try to make light of certain things. And, you know, I'm not, sh you know, short on dad jokes and things. So it's, <laughs> I, I, I just do it just to get a reaction, right? Out of the kids, out of her, you know. But right. Just try to keep it fun, right? Just trying to keep it interesting. Just trying to keep so it creative. You're, you're go, going to your going to your dad jokes are, are... No, 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 I don't have like the set jokes I can't remember no, a joke in life, no, I just... no I get that you're 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 a lot like me in the family now are there are there there's there's four in your audience per se right uh, are there are there those that encourage the dad jokes if you will and are there mm -hmm. others that are like mm, no <laughs> Yeah, I think so. My oldest daughter, uh, 15, she she puts up with it, you know, the most, and she'll she'll encourage she she and I are more like minded, I think. Okay, okay. So she'll put up with it, and uh, and of course my youngest has no choice because she's riding in the car with me for about what seems like almost a, an average of like 45 minutes a day back and forth with softball and stuff. So mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point where I just listen to like podcasts now with her in the car, and of course okay. podcasts. <laughs> And she, well, does she have a phone yet? Well, sort of and sort of not. Not one that can actually be launching calls, but she okay. can do FaceTime and she can get messages on the phone. Okay. So when you're listening to the podcast, she's, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's probably playing it. Well, she doesn't, it, it doesn't, fortunately, it's one of these old phones that has a battery life of like 30 minutes. So right. Yeah, she doesn't usually take it with her. So she's stuck with me and looking out the window and talking to me. So let's, let's go to the kids. Let's go to the fatherhood. And um, mm -hmm. like for, for me, one of the 
and I think I've shared this with you before, the, one of the biggest struggles that I have, and I, I continue to have, and I, I'm getting better at it, is kind of let them, letting them go. Now, I got a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, very similar, exact same ages as you. I mean, Andrew's another, a year ahead of Isabella, but it was the whole concept of letting them go, letting them fail, letting them be independent and, and choose their own path. That has gotten better. Um, but then there's been other times where, especially with Elena and I had some struggles. Uh, and I think we still do much, much less than we used to because we're very, very similar, incredibly okay. similar. So we bat heads a lot. And I, I think over the years with the communication and with sitting down with each other and explaining to each other some of the things you may do or some of the things you may say and how I take that and how I interpret that and how that makes me feel, being able to communicate that and broaden our relationship. Now her being 15, what used to be more of a challenge because we're the same person, we're very, very much alike. So she's the one that gets my jokes and I'm the one that gets her jokes. We're the ones that are laughing and Robin and Isabella are looking at us like, <laughs> right. So what has been some, uh, you know, with, with all three of them, but I'm interested to see, I'm interested to hear and for the audience, you know, so what are some of the challenges and growth that you've experienced having the three of them and then the difference between the, the boy and the girls? Yeah. Yeah. So this year has been a real struggle with my, with my son who's, who's senior now, right? Cause you know, especially if I spent any time on Facebook or Instagram, and you, you just can't help but see your friends from you know back in the day and all their kids and how they're so well adjusted. And my kid just got into every Ivy League school and my kid just got the lacrosse scholarship. And here's a picture of us at our at, at Vod Tech where we just got accepted. And Andrew is super smart, but zero work ethic, right? And it drives me nuts. <laughs> if I spend 10 minutes a day not doing something productive, I lose it. Like, I gotta be doing something, something, something all the time. Like, there's no sitting down watching, like, I don't understand who these people are who can have binge Netflix. Like, I can't even sit down long enough to read a chapter in a book, you know? So it's like, you know, I am constantly on the move. If I'm, and, and the way I look at it from a sales mentality is if I'm not doing something that's helping me make money right now, I'm losing money. Mm -hmm. right? And I guess that's just been ingrained in me that, you know, that's, you know, part of my purpose, part of my why is to create a better, you know, future for my children, yada, yada. Um, and then <laughs> here's a kid who he could show up for five minutes of a class and ace an exam, but he can't even be bothered to show up for five minutes of a class because it's virtual now. Why should he? Right. And so now he's, he is, he calculated in about the middle of this year, what he needs is a bare minimum just to get his degree, just to get his diploma. And so now he literally has classes with zeros. And it's like the nonstop nasty grants from teachers, from guidance counselors. We're trying to help. We're trying to help you, Andrew. We're reaching out to you. It's just so frustrating to us as parents, both of us. And sure. I can't say how many, how many angry sessions we've had, you know, just the turn into just like screaming sessions, like just, dude, get it together. And finally, you know, we had a breakthrough yesterday. He finally applied to his first uh, college, you know, local school, uh, part of Penn State. Um, so great, you know, and, and I think once he finds what his passion is, what his purpose is, he'll get there. He just probably needs a little bit more time to get there. And I've seen this with a lot of other parents of when they're first born as a boy in particular, that level of maturity isn't quite there with a lot of other people in their class who might have older siblings or who might have a first child as a girl. It's the strangest thing, but it feels like I see that more and more and more where boys have a hard time acclimating the maturity level not the educational level, but the maturity level because he was he would pediatricians and preschool were like no 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 no, you need to put him in kindergarten now <laughs> like four years old five years old like right away don't wait and hindsight is we perhaps made a little bit of a mistake there and maybe should have held him back a little bit knowing what we know today right sure hindsight. well there's that there's that i've seen that some with some of my other friends that that, that have the, the the first child as a boy and there's a little bit, it seems to me, there's a little bit of a delay in the maturity. Um, yeah. 
so let me ask you this. So how, how did you guys navigate that? You know, because you know, you don't want to sit back and kind of, kind of yeah. let them figure that out. Right. You, you, there's, there's gotta be something. And especially now it's a, it's, it's a poignant year, right? It's, it's, you know, what do you want to do next? But you, you touched on it, right? You touched on, he, he just has to figure it out. He just has to figure out what it is he wants to do, who he wants to become. So yeah, how are you navigating that? Yeah, we've learned over time that you can't tell him what to do or even, you know, necessarily in some cases ask him what to do. He makes his own decisions and he doesn't like to be told, you know, the right way to do things. He likes to figure things out on his own, whether it's, you know, from trying to coach him in baseball at a younger age to schoolwork or whatever. Or So it's like he's... Um, it's almost like an old sales quote, you know, people are best convinced by reasons they discover themselves. Mm -hmm. That's him. You know, he's only convinced by things he discovers himself and through his own interactions that he can believe in and get behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's passionate about things like, you know, gaming, right? He's passionate. And I started to see a little bit of a twist toward interest in information security, which is a massive, massive market right now. So perhaps that is where he finds his calling, right? He's passionate about building computers. He built his own computer and has, you know, reworked it and tweaked it. And, you know, he's real proud of the fact that he spent a third of what he would have spent if he bought it off the shelf. Wow, right? that's so impressive. That's, 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 you know, you know, encouraging in that regard. And, you know, so again, at some point you do have to kind of cut the reins and stop letting them know how to live their lives and what they should be doing. And maybe college isn't the right thing for him and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, ignore what, you know, what we grew up as, which is, you know, do really well in high school, get into a good college, get your degree, perhaps get a secondary degree, move on from there. Um, it was all nicely prescribed and, and spelled out, but that's not necessarily the path anymore for a lot of kids realizing that I don't need to spend 70 grand a year and have these massive loans hanging over my head till I'm 40 right. um, for, a, for a silly piece of paper when perhaps it's more, you know, when I'm missing out on an opportunity to chase a passion that I'm really, that I really care right. about. And now's the time to do it, right? When they're at that age, because you, you touched on it. We were, we were programmed to high school, do well in high school, college, picket fence, all that nonsense. And, you know, not that I'm, I'm not, not that I'm not grateful for my career and, and, and the road that I chose to, to go on, but there are Pat and, you know, we, we, you, you touched on, right. you you have a passion in beer, right. So you're, you had that little side hustle there. I had passion in, in coaching and mentoring and, and fitness and all that stuff. So that there's all these side things going on, but if we kind of figured this stuff out in our mind, when we were 16 or 17 years old, where, where, could we have been at that point? Where could we have been? Where could we have been now? Now, all, all that been said, I don't regret any decision I've ever made because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. And, and if I made one decision differently, I wouldn't have all what I have. And I can't complain and I can't bitch and moan about that. But the lessons I've learned through that process is uh, communicating that to the girls and other people that I have the opportunity to meet with and say, hey, listen, when you're 15, 16, 17, even into your early 20s, now's the time to chase those passions. Because if you don't chase those passions, you're going to be stuck in a year, a career for 20 years that you might not get be getting any joy and fulfillment. You might be friggin' good at it because you've been doing it for 20 years, <laughs> but you might you might not find any joy and passion in it. You got to explore, and so yeah, and so it's, I think with each child, it's you look at you know how can I support them in their development in a little different way. And, for my middle child, Lily, she's, she is extremely independent. Like, I don't have to do a single thing for her, never have to ask her to do a chore. She just does them, right? She just gets her work done. She gets on the bus on time. She does all her homework. She busts her butt. And, you know, there's no, you don't have to worry about it. She, she's a set it and forget it child, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, so feed her and then she's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and so, like, you know, I feel like more comfortable, you know, letting her, you know, without having to giving her any prescription of perhaps how we should think she should be, you know, she should grow up or move on. My third one, a little bit of a mix of both, right? And she tends to gravitate toward a lot of the behaviors and attitudes that Benander does. Um, but, um, you know, so she tends to be like, 
you know, taking the, the path of YouTube videos over homework, you know, but she is all in on softball, which I love. That's um, cool. so, and I'm like, I coached two teams for her. That's, that's become my new, like, sort of like passion at this point in my life, which is not just coaching her and, you know, being with her, like, you know, five nights a week during the spring, summer, fall, <clears throat> but also just understanding that what I'm doing, especially when it comes to like rec league is helping to encourage a lot of girls who are in that maybe 10 to 12 year old stage, which is really quite critical, you know, pre-adolescent or you know, adolescent, whatever, preteen, you know, giving them confidence um, that they can do something they didn't previously think they could do. And it could be as simple as teaching a girl how to pitch or how to be a catcher, or, you know, they never thought that they could do a particular position. They never thought they could hit the ball into the outfield, simple stuff like that. Right. And just kind of, you know, working with them and coaching them and giving them the confidence and letting them know that no matter what they do, you know, and then one of the things I said to the rec team before the start of the season is I'm really looking forward to an undefeated season girls. You know, like, what, what do you mean? We're not going to lose any games. I'm like, no, we either win games or we learn from them. Right. <laughs> so, and when we lose a game, we kind of cover off what are the lessons learned in that game? Mm-hmm. You know, what could you, you know, perhaps do better yourself or what, you know, what can we do as a team better? How could us as coaches support you better? And you win, it's a little bit more of a chance to, you can still do some of that stuff, but it's still it's then more of a chance to celebrate. Uh, wow. Emma had, you know, three hits today, double, triple, drove in like five runs, you know, like that kind of stuff where you can kind of really celebrate some of those accomplishments. Um, but anyway, so I, I find a lot of joy in that. I've done, you know, half of my career, half of my 25 years have been spent doing like sales leadership type roles and half as like a rep individual contributor. And I really do kind of miss that coaching element of, of being a sales leader, um, coaching teams, helping people find a path to an ultimately wise decision. Um, and so I, you know, I manifest what I, you know, perhaps miss a little bit in that regard with, you know, hey, can I do it on the softball field or do it with these people who are these young ladies who are very, very impressionable. And then you see a lot of them coming into the rec league, like, like a baby deer, like just big open eyes, like scared, like, and you know, how can I turn that into like a warrior on the softball field in two months, right? <laughs> you know, ready to say, Hey, I can't wait to travel for the tournament team, or I can't wait to join. Hey, can you tell me more about the travel team that, that you and Avery are on? Right. Stuff like that, where you start to see that fire and that confidence being built at a young age too. And they're going to take it beyond there and the sure. parts of life. And so that, kind of take that as being something I'm really into right now. And I'm applying what I've, what I've learned in my past of playing baseball and softball for many yep. years to helping them. That's a cool point. Cause we touched on how, you know, our generation was taught to get the education and, and blah, blah, blah. You spent 20 years doing something that you got really good at doing because you invested the time to do it, but you might not be happy doing it. So there's always, op- you have options, right? You could quit and make that jump to a new career. But when you're, you know, in your forties and fifties, it's a hell of a lot more challenging than when you're in your twenties, because, you know, you have the mortgage, you have the kids going to school, you have the you know, life that you've built and created, but there's other outlets, there's other ways to do it. You know, you could become a coach or a mentor to folks within your, in your organization. You could find a coach, you could find a true coaching job where you're coaching kids or coaching adults, whatever the case may be in athletics. You know, for for me, it was, you know, getting people out on the trails and getting people moving around there. Um, You know, it's, it's, for me, it's investing in my girls, you know, taking all this stuff that I've been learning and it started with them and then it came to publishing it here with the blog, with the podcast, and just getting this information out. So we collectively, I mean, you're part of this team now, collectively getting the messages out to to everybody, you know, and it's, you know, we're not sitting here doing like a Tony Robbins type of thing. We're, <laughs> we're, my audience, our audience is, is us, is the, you know, the yeah, exception. You got me thinking just now, it's like, there's so many different ways you can apply it. Like I think back to like seven, eight years ago when I got into obstacle course racing and started doing Spartan races and like just 
how many people I shared that passion with, with, you know, and, and, and how they got really into it. And next thing I know, there's like a Philly Spartan group on Facebook and with a bunch of people who, you know, I used to run with and stuff. So, you know, it's just, there's so many different outlets when you can kind of apply what you're passionate about, but also something that benefits others. And so that's, there's just, it's, it's almost endless. You know, you got to keep doing that. Well, let's, tra let's transition into that because I mean, you know, Brian and I talk on here a lot about what we've done and we've had other people on here talk about what they've done. And, you know, you, you've been an athlete for the majority of your life from, from what I've remembered. And then you kind you, you went into the OCR business or the OCR sport craft, whatever you want to call it, or activity. So what kind of, what led to that six, seven, eight years ago? What kind of got you there and talk about your, your, your journey through that process up until today? Yeah. So I think it probably started when I hit 40 and a lot of us have that like, oh crap moment, you know, you turn 40 and it's like, <laughs> what's happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then um, a couple of years, so I, so I made a, you know, commitment to starting doing like the, was it Tony Horton beach body stuff and insanity and all those things. And those were all nice and well and good and different from my usual workouts and running routine. Well, I mean, I'd been running, you know, I would do like 10 mile races and half marathons and stuff, nothing crazy, one marathon in the past. But um, then I think it was somebody at work, you know, a guy who was maybe a couple of years older than me, who was talking about this amazing race, the Spartan race he did in Virginia and how he threw a spear, he had to throw a spear and, you know, all these crazy obstacles. I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about this for like the last six, 12 months. I've been hearing about this. I got to sign up. Did it in 2013 for the first time at Palmerton at Blue Mountain in Pennsylvania. Amazing, amazing venue. And I know just countless people who have cut their teeth on OCR with that race in particular, uh, the sprint version, and um, just went all in. You know, when you, you find something you like and you just kind of, everything drops and you go all in on it. Mm -hmm. That was me at least the first three years of that. 13, 14, 15, 16, until I got... A really you know really tough ankle injury in 17 not from racing but from training and um and then uh i mean i was doing 15 plus ocrs every year there was spartan wow. race there was battle frog bone frog which still exists you know i kind of avoided tough modern until a couple of years ago um just because it wasn't as competitive i think it wasn't as military style as i was into uh, but yeah, I mean, driving to Ohio, to Virginia, to Boston, to Vermont, doing the um, doing the beast up in Vermont in 2014 was like life changing, you know. And I didn't have a community around me of people doing it. I was, for the most part, doing it on my own. You know, drive up there on my own, do the race, see you know a few people I would see online, right? But that was it, and then get in the car and come back home. And since that point. I've managed to recruit a couple of my really good friends to start doing it as well with me. And, and it's, that's been much more, I guess, rewarding, if you will, to, to be able to finish something extremely challenging with someone who you never thought would have gotten into a CR. Right? Yeah. So, but I just, I just love the whole element because I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a runner's body. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'll say 220 now, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger, I'm a Clydesdale, right? It's, yeah, it's, but you're also what, six two? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, but the point is, like, the knees, like, they don't handle the marathon yeah, stuff, right. perhaps as well as some people. And I think I'm a little bit, in having worked with a you know chiropractor for the last seven eight years, I'm perhaps not, you know, necessarily naturally aligned, if you will. Sure. And so, tend to go out of alignment more, and knees tend to go out, or ankle tends to go out a lot more than some. And I, and I, and I wanted for so long in that period of like maybe 42 to 45 years old to be like Mikey Baldini running 50 milers or a hundred miler. And I thought, yeah, I really want to get into this ultra ultra stuff and I want to do an ultra beast at Spartan. And yeah, I, I, I think I finally came into reality that <laughs> perhaps that's not my calling. <laughs> well, but, I, I, I appreciate that, but I mean, I don't know how to respond to that other than that I'm not right in the head and Brian's not right in the head. And a lot of us that do these things are definitely not right in the head, but it's. But you do it for a reason, right? You do it to it you know, prove something to yourself, to perhaps prove something to your family, to, you know, you, you talk about, you know, slaying demons, right? You know, you know, there's something that 
you know, you're trying to get over, get past, get through, right? And you're doing it and channeling it in a way that's productive to yourself, your body, to, to others, right? It's not like, you know, a lot of destructive things we could be doing to get through those. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's an addictive passion, definitely. Um, and I mean, I, I would probably disagree with you to a, to, to a point where it is, it, it is not as destructive as, as obviously drugs and alcohol and, and other things of that nature. Uh, but, you know, I'm sitting here six weeks into to this whole situation. So, it, it, I mean, it does play its no. role. But, you know, there, yeah. there, is, there, there is a passion to it. There, there is a purpose to it. And it's, you know, you, you have the same story. I mean, it's, for, for me, the whole ultra endurance, ultra marathon experience, it's, it's obviously I didn't know it going into it and I probably didn't realize it to a couple years after it, but it's a metaphor for life. You know, you, you touched on it earlier in the conversation, you hit that mile 80 and you're like, what the heck is going on? Where am I? What, what do I have to do? And, I this? Am I really paying for this? Oh my God. Exactly. I mean, do I need to get to that next, you know, there, I got, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through this thing. I got another X miles to go and X number of events to go. I'm exhausted. I, I don't. And then you just say, you know what? You come back and let's just get to the next event or let's just get to the next aid station. And with life, it's such, it's, it's the same thing. You know, we get bombarded and punched in the face and kicked while we're down. And what are we supposed to do? Well, you know what? Just, just get up and make it to the eighth next aid station, get up and make it to the next event. That's all we got to do. The next obstacle. And it's, that's what we're trying to do here is get that message out there is that it's just, it's, it's relentless forward progress. It's if we keep moving and the movement isn't, you know, that, that straight line, the movement is, but as long (laughs) as you, you keep, you keep moving forward or keep moving up, you're going to end up getting there. It's not going to work out the way you wanted it to. It's not going to be in the timeline that you wanted it to. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be incredibly messy and you're going to be scarred and beat up when you get to the end of it, but you're going to have a pretty cool story to tell. I guarantee you. And that's kind of what I think you're learning through this process, not only with the obstacle coursing, but family in general. Yeah. You're uh it's sort of like you look at the stock market charts you look at the last five years, what has it generally done up and to the right? But there was a huge blip in March of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. You're right, right now me in that huge blip phase, right? But you're going to come out of it just fine because you are resilient like the stock market. You're going to continue to do the right things to get yourself back. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, that's, that's my belief and that's my faith. But I'm not going to lie to you. There's days when I'm, you know, last week, even, even yesterday, or what's today? Thursday, right? So I ran Tuesday, Wednesday, I wake, wake up with this knot in my calf in the same leg. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is interesting. What's next? You know, what's next? So you, you, and then, you know, you go through the process and you go out, you go out for a run and today's run didn't feel as good as yesterday's run, you know, or, you know, today's business meeting didn't feel as great as yesterday's business meeting. And I should have said this, but I didn't say it and so on and so forth. So that that spiraling of emotions is bringing you down, and you got to like pull yourself out of the negative spiral. Yeah, absolutely, there's there's the question of you know what if, and I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I'm there's been thoughts in the last couple of weeks about what if I'm not able to do these things anymore, and there's a moment of well shit, that's going to suck. <laughs> but then there's an there's a moment of acceptance, and there's a moment of well, there's going to be something else that I find. It's just yeah. that's that's the way we are as a culture, as a society, as a human being. We we just we find another passion to like what mm-hmm. you're doing with softball. You hit it right on the head. You, you you're starting to take that, and that's awareness, right? That's being able to take those that awareness and pour it into. Well, listen, I can't get. I'm not going to be able to get it over here, and I accept it. But what if I could? What if I could dive in deeply here? and do it. And you, you're, you're a perfect example of that right now with softball. Yeah. As long as you're, as long as you're contributing and benefiting and doing something valuable to yourself and to your family and to those around you. I mean, that's, that's the right, that's the upward up and to the right, you know? Yep. Yep. You always um, have to get the same, you know, I want to be conscious of your time and I appreciate yeah. you staying on, but I have, I have like three more quick questions that I typically try to ask everybody. 
and we'll start with this one. We'll start with, so what is out there still that you're chasing? <clears throat> what is out there still that I'm chasing? Um, I'd probably say um, probably an early retirement because I think, you know, I look at it as, do I really want to do that? Um, you know, I, I could probably set myself financially up to do that and really enjoy life during the healthy years, right? And spend that time with Rhonda that perhaps we haven't spent the last 17 years that we should have, right? At the same time, it's like, well, but can I actually walk away from this, right? I have trouble taking a week-long vacation. Sure. Without being checked in for a couple hours every morning before the whole family wakes up, you know? Sure. So, yeah, so that's probably, you know, that's a little bit more forward forward looking and you know probably on the you know almost nearly 10 year horizon but hey 10 years goes by quickly so it does especially now it seems like this last year and a half went by smoking fast um i'm going to go with the more serious one and then we'll close it on a well i don't know what the answer is going to be in the last one but it usually is for most people funny so the serious one is what makes you come alive what makes me come alive Boy, um, geez, that's a good question. Um, achieving, like, feeling like I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's, um, you know, doing a high-intensity interval training session and 30 minutes in, I'm feeling like I conquered the world, like even after a crushing session, or whether it's at work, like, you know, having an extremely busy day, but walking away at the end of the day going, I just made a material impact to my quarter, to my year. Um, in this past just three hours worth of time. Uh, it's, so what I'm trying to say is, you know, not just putting forth the hard work and effort, but seeing that there is going to be a result mm. from what I just put myself through, whether it's mentally or physically, um, or, you know, in the coaching world, like, you know, you're not gonna win every game, but you can see that your team's on the right path now. Um, so anyway, just seeing results, I guess, summing up results like knowing and maybe not already achieving not already winning the championship not already crushing the quarter at work um but just knowing that you're on the right path and what you're doing right now is having a material impact because what i hate and i've mentioned this before is lack of productivity or doing things that are you know time sucks i can't stand time sucks <laughs> Yeah. Um, as much as I am good at golf and can play golf, it's fine <laughs> to be doing something better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, but you're, you're, you are growing on a golf course. You are learning, you know, there's patience involved, tons of patience that you have to learn through a golf golfing. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And that's something I have 100% learned over the past 20 years is to, it does you no good to throw that club in the lake. No, or break it or, you know, yeah. anything live else the, with it? The next shot, as I, as I tell as I tell my girls, live for the next pitch. Live for that's, the next. You know, that, that's perfect. It's that's that that's the other metaphor, right? It's the other metaphor. Forget what just happened and go to, go to the next aid station. Go to the next obstacle. Go to the next pitch. Go to the next meeting. That's great. Yeah, you last, lost that. No big deal. Move on to the next one. Could be better. Last one. Uh, something most people don't know about you. Oof. Something most people don't know about me. Um, what's new, interesting, different about Doug? Um, <laughs> most people. Um, I'm into metal. <laughs> you what? I'm into metal music. Oh, you into metal? <laughs> I'm not passionate about it, like with you know other things in life. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't remember me, that. You wouldn't look at me and be like, that guy's been to ten Slayer shows in the past decade, or he likes uh, you know, Lamb of God and Pantera. You know more old school like 90s yeah, and, yeah. but uh and partly because i played in the metal band in high school right. and we were the first metal band to ever play at you know look at our you know high school uh variety show or whatever and scared the crap out of people playing some metallica back in the day but uh, I, yeah. think I, I think i had that reaction <laughs> when you told me that i thought i i thought it was like get out no way you you and a a metalhead rock band? Nah, get out of here. You had the hair down to here. Uh, you showed me a picture. I think you showed me a picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I had my heyday. I had my fun. 
and and our band still does get together like our band from high school we still try to get together at least twice a year and just scrape the cobwebs off and pull something together that doesn't just horrify ourselves are you are you just this the groups getting together or are you like booking booking a, a booking a place going out somewhere that'd be great Dude, talk about a sales pitch us booking us somewhere would be a, a tall order you should uh you should like create a facebook page for the band and see how many old groupies you have out there yeah i'm sure there's i'm sure there's at least a half of one yeah there's got to be some <laughs> so all right, brother. Thanks so much, cool. man. I appreciate this. This was, this was great. Um, I'll uh, I'll shoot you a text once I get it uploaded later today. And uh, really grateful for the time. I'll also let you know the details uh, when I'm coming back there. So we'll definitely get together. Yeah, this has been this has been the best podcast interview I've ever done. So I appreciate it, Mike. Good. I I know you're out there working the circuit, brother. All right. Thanks. Appreciate all the support, man. Give uh, give Ron and the family our love. All right. Will do. Looking forward to seeing you next month, man. Me too. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. See ya.